0: Welcome to Build the Invisible, a podcast hosted by me, Daniel G, where we explore career journeys of today's most successful professionals. Each week, we sit down with guests to discuss the challenges they faced and the lessons that they've learned along the way. From dealing with failure to the importance of being patient and listening to others, we uncover the strategies and mindset that have helped our guests build successful careers. Join us, as we delve into the stories of those who have persevered and achieved greatness in their fields. I had the pleasure of speaking with Bex Smith, founder of Crux Sports, about her career to date. We spoke about the importance of leaving your comfort zone, being an outlier and enjoying the process. Bex is an internationally successful footballer who's transitioned to a global executive in sports and business. She founded Crux Sports which consults with some of the world's leading stakeholders in football, including global brands, federations, and confederations, international media platforms, AI tech, esports agencies, and some of the world's top players. I hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: I think that... Um, I think if you're not moving forwards and you're moving backwards, like that's something that... If you're not constantly learning and not constantly growing, then you're you're already behind, so that is sort of like my mentality is constantly sort of trying to talk to people, learn from people, read uh, watch content, whatever it is, but constantly trying to like evolve and grow myself and and what's the new sort of phase in my life so when I was um like when I was playing it was always well what's the next thing you know when I was in college one of my coaches turned around to me after one game and was like do you know that you're you're the best aerial player I've ever seen and I was like oh and from that moment on I realized oh I'm good in the air I'm good at headers cool so then it was like okay now I'm going to focus on that and become actually the best aerial player that everyone's ever seen you know and I mean obviously I didn't do that because there's plenty of other people like Abby Wong knocked me out in my third game so <laughs> with her head um but it's just okay then once you sort of feel like okay I've, I sort of dominate in that area then it's like okay now what's the next thing I'm good at and then it's well maybe it's leading people because that's the evolution of as you get older and you start to become more of a leader in the team then actually it's about sort of Um, giving that you know providing that information and that guidance for others and that becomes sort of something that you add on to your game and the level of game and then I then that's how I kind of got bought by Wolfsburg because they saw me as then someone that could lead the defense and by leading the defense start organizing the team from the back and sort of start leading so I think yeah that sort of growth mentality has always been something but but what that means is kind of like every challenge that you face or that you hit, and there's always challenges. And if you're not, if you're not getting challenged and if there's not issues or, or problems or struggles to have, then you're not, you're not moving forward. <laughs> like by definition, growth means that you have to face challenges. Um, and that's why I think that athletes, especially pro athletes at the top of the game for many, many years are sort of the best, most polished, well-rounded human beings, because you're constantly thrown so many, so many challenges. Because it's it's mental, it's physical, it's um, emotional. It's you know being whether it's being in a team or in, in an individual sport, um, you're constantly being thrown new challenges like every second of every day, not just every every day. So, you know, from a small example of I have the ball and I'm going towards goal, I know where my goal is and I'm, you know, a midfielder and I'm heading towards that. Like if you have then the first defender that knocks you over, but because you've done enough training, your left leg can balance it. And then the next one knocks you and then you almost fall on the ground. But then because you've, you've done a lot of proprioception and balance training, you can sort of pick yourself up from that. And then sometimes you just get flattened and you have to go get surgery. But in any case, you just keep getting up, you know? So that resilience, I think, is something that elite athletes are just feel a little bit more like, not just okay with, but I feel more comfortable in an environment where I'm like sort of constantly being beat up a little bit. Um, And I know that sounds a bit weird, but um, I kind of like it because it makes me feel like I'm pushing myself. Um, And then another sort of thing that my dad always told me when I was growing up, he's like, if you're, if you're the smartest one in the room, he's like, you're in the wrong room. Because like, what's the point of that? Do you want to go around talking, you know, and, and I, I mean, I say that my dad definitely did not use those words, but like go around swinging your dick about how awesome you are, or would you rather actually learn and grow? So I, if I walk into a room, I want to actually get something from that room. I don't want to like impose how great I think I am. That doesn't actually bring me anything, but actually to be able to sort of pick everyone's brain and get a little bit of knowledge from everyone else, I think is sort of always how I've like approached um, interactions with other people. And I think that's really important because then you're just better equipped to be dealing with things all the time. Um, So I think those are sort of, yeah, some of my sort of life mottos, um, I guess. And I think the other thing that, um, which is why I sort of have started this business, which is, you know, I want to, I want to support more players is, is that even though I had an economics degree, a Spanish degree, an MBA, a postgrad in psychology, like had worked in law firms, consulting firms, I don't know, media, marketing, sports, like done so much, worked at Volkswagen, one of the big, I was scared shitless when my career was ending um, because it's just, it's really scary. It's like a whole life transition that you have to go through. So there's like a fear that you have to overcome of, the identity that you had as being a football player is going to disappear. Like, you know, you still might be known as an ex footballer or not at all. If you're not good enough or not well-known enough, you know, no one knows who you are. You're just sort of, sort of a nobody. So I think there's that fear of um, finding a new identity that, that comes with being an elite athlete, because by definition, you have to sort of put everything on the line to be a professional athlete. So, I think there's, there's you know, a lot of fear and uncertainty around that. And, and also you know, during my career, I only ever signed one, I think max my longest contract was with, with Wolfsburg. I think it was like a two and a half year contract because I, I wanted the flexibility at the end of the year if I didn't like it to be able to get out of it. Um, but that meant that like literally every year you're reassessing where's my next paycheck coming from? Like, what do I want to be doing? So there's a lot of sort of um, myths around like the professional athlete environment. And then, you know, everything, everything is so much easier to put on paper and to market in the way that you want to market things. But we all know that, you know, behind closed doors, everything is always a lot more messy and a lot more complicated and a lot more emotionally challenging than everything looks on paper. So, you know, working at FIFA was um, really great, like really great for a lot of different reasons. I got to travel the world and and meet so many cool people and understand how governance works from the world's governing body, you know, down to the Confederations, how that works and then the Federations and, you know, running one of the largest, I think it is actually the largest women's sporting event in on the planet was really, really cool. So when I left FIFA, I was really not really sure what I wanted to do, but I think having worked in in the Middle East on the project with um, Jordan and seeing Prince Ali as one of the most inspiring people I've ever met, um, that sort of was one of those, I don't know, moments where I was kind of like leaning towards leaving the game and sort of got brought back because I realized that actually it's it's just too powerful. Um, And there's too much of an opportunity, I think, you know, socially, but also commercially in in the women's game right now. So, so yeah, that's kind of like, you know, the transitional points of my, of my life. And then, you know, starting my own business was a massive challenge because I think I just got to the point where I really had to stop and think about what my values were, what I want out of my life and like to really just take control of what I want. And sometimes that's quite scary. I don't think people do that enough and i don't think that we necessarily all have the right skills to be able to even figure out what we want in life um and that's not you know blaming other people it's just i just think that we're not taught it it's like our educational systems are structure
0: structure 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 structure. yeah
1: structure and, and incomplete like they don't i think like a lot of happiness from people comes from the arts for comes from culture comes from art comes from music um you know a lot of people when they say looking back I regret not learning something when I was a kid a lot of it is like a musical instrument or a language you know it's not like I wish I had learned more math and that's not an original thought that's like there was this great podcast I was listening to um I'll try to find it for you actually as well but I just think you know we don't we sort of knock out creativity from the the child stage to the adult stage and um I think that that creativity is sort of where I realize that I don't want to lose that and there's a lot of like this is how business is structured in sports but actually why why does it have to be like that and I I don't think it does it doesn't have to be like that all the time just because that is how it is I think that's the easy way to do things it's sort of the the road less or the road more traveled but actually I think there's a lot of sort of joy and purpose that I find in building new things and I I realize that that's actually kind of always what's been at the heart of when I feel most happy and most passionate it's when I'm building something new that's a creative idea that no one's thought of before or many people millions of people might have thought of but have never I've never experienced it like most likely you know no ideas is new they always say but um at least I, you know, I like to feel like it's something that's my own and build it, um, and get other people involved and try to build a team and you know, sort of engender a lot of motivation and passion for other people um, to work in a team towards a goal um, that becomes like a bigger vision that's just different, that's innovative, that's maybe a little bit, um, yeah, not normal, quote unquote normal. I just think normal is boring. I just, I genuinely think like. know one of one of the my most favorite words that i like use as a compliment is weird you know I, i quite like i love weird stuff i love stuff that is different that makes you go oh that's you know that's different and it's funny because in this country you know special is a word that is has quite a negative connotation like oh she's special or that's special or oh that's different and and different for me is like probably one of the best words you can you can use if you if you were to describe me as someone that's different that's unique that's you know special great that's like bring it on weird love it um, I just think we all sort of like follow this this weird rat race What waste <laughs> where's yeah. the rat? <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I I think like yeah I think the the struggle is in is in creative unique thought um and that that's missing in so many elements when it comes to yeah business life how we look at relationships or, or how we want to raise our kids or whatever it is you know um yeah i'm just totally rambling but no know no, i'm
0: letting you just go because it's actually interesting <laughs> deliberately uh, not interfering because <laughs> this is yeah. a very nice chain of thought <laughs> <laughs>
1: But that's where like the challenge comes, right? Because like anytime you sort of introduce a new idea, everyone, 99% of people that I know, um, and I think probably 99% of like the human race is probably more conditioned when uh, when approached by something that's new to have a little bit of fear and to sort of be a little bit more, against rather than for initially um, and different cultures I think react in different ways I think but yeah I think that that's probably why I prefer like the challenges and, and that sort of mentality because it, it, it comes with it's, it's like packaged with new ideas and fresh ideas um, and sometimes you know sometimes you don't you have to realize where though that energy needs to be placed because sometimes you don't have to convince everybody that it's a good idea as long as you, you can convince the right people for the right reason and, and just put your head down and go for it. Um, you know, the proof is <laughs> in the pudding. No, the proof is sort of at the end of the day when you've built something that, that works. Um, but I'm sure, you know, everyone uses Steve Jobs as a, as a, as a, as an example, but you know, a thousand thousand songs in your pocket or whatever it is with the iPod, it's kind of, you know, everyone would have been like, "I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense." Um, so yeah, I think I think challenge is good. I think the norm is boring, um, and the types of people that I've always found to be the most interesting and successful. And by successful, by definition, when I say successful, it's like well-rounded, happy, um, feel like they have a purpose, but also just like really nice people um yeah so the most successful people for me are the ones that I think are they always challenge like the norms um and the standards
0: can I go back to, I think there's there's so many things there just to touch on but if I just maybe do three which was constant development and learning growth mentality struggles and structure routine identity, transition. That's why I sort of got on a few, that's why I was sort of frantically writing as I went along, because there was some cool stuff there. One of the things in the book that I'm trying to get to grips with is try to explain when people say to me or, you know, us, I think because you're definitely someone that I'm, I know people will turn to as a mentor or people, a person just to ask, you know, how did you make it in the football industry after making transition? What did you do? What was the magic formula, Etc one of the things you touched on the first was um, constant development, learning, pushing yourself, um, you know, constantly thinking about new things and reaching out to people and asking questions and listening. Is that something that's always, I mean, that that to me is something that's very entrenched in a couple of books that I've read to do with um, uh, the cross between what passion is or what actually I think is a better term, which is curiosity. It sounds like you're very curious by nature. is that something that you've built and developed, or something that's pretty innate in you? And as a result, how did you go about sort of um, uh, actioning that, or just being, you know, something that you know developed over time?
1: Hmm. I think we're born curious. I think that that's why we can learn as kids, right? That's how we learn new languages. That's how we learn what's right and wrong. That's how we learn that's hot, don't touch it. So we are curious as innately i think that's how we're born i think curiosity gets beaten out of us um, with education and i think it's hard work to fight against that because you know you're you're put in a classroom and you're graded and those grades then determine what path you then go to and especially in this country i find it shocking and terrible actually like absolutely terrible that from a very young age um whatever your grades are your marks are then determine like what path you're you're gonna take and if you get into that top track then you have you just it it does open more doors for you to be able to have you know uh more money or better education better education but I think a lot of people don't necessarily—they don't grow at the same rate. So some people who are 18, 19, 20, all of a sudden decide they do want to—they are interested actually in in English and and literature and you know that. Then all of a sudden their world opens up and then they sort of take off when they're that late. But by then they're on a track that has already determined you know what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And I think that's fucking terrible. You can quote me on that. I think the education system that that are set up that have those kinds of tracks are not not right. And also everyone's brain doesn't work like that. Like I was very, I would say lucky because my brain worked in that education system. Like I I could study not very much. I could remember things, I could regurgitate things. I could also think about how you can connect what I learned in history to psychology, to existentialism and come up with a new idea and put it in something for my English class, you know. So I, I would, my brain worked like that. My sisters didn't at all. She's, um, you know, she has ADD. She is spatially and visually on the sort of like genius spectrum, but she's terrible at maths and like English and, and memorization and, um, you know, we still think she might have dyslexia, although she's been tested and they say she doesn't. I'm like pretty convinced she does. <laughs> Um, and I mean that in the in the nicest way. But now she's you know she's a DP, she's a director of photography, a cinematographer in Hollywood, like one of the top DPs, um, working at one of the top networks or multiple of the top networks, and made movies and works on TV shows that are like incredible. And she makes a shit ton more money than I do. Who's gone to business school, has a postgrad in psychology, you know all these things, because her brain just works differently, and the and the and the educational system doesn't suit them. So I think. Curiosity is something we're born with, but it's something that you have to work hard to retain. And you have to work hard every day not to fall into the stereotypes and the social constructs that we create ourselves. I, I just think, and, and you're, we're constantly sort of like forced and funneled down to try to be like normal and normal and normal and normal. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's boring. It's just fucking boring if everyone's the same. So I think curiosity is a is a really really important characteristic, but you constantly have to work at it. And that'd be the other thing about like, you know, I think there's a lot of talented people out there, but hard work trumps that any day, any day. And I learned that on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Um, that I've seen people who have had dyslexia overcome that and become incredible, brilliant public speakers. Um, you know, I've seen people who are terrible in school or were in college who have gone on to, to have great careers just because they work their asses off and it's no, it's no different on the pitch. I've seen so many really talented players just fall by the wayside because they were told, you know, from really young age, you're really, really talented. You're going to be the most amazing thing. And then they strut their stuff. And you know, the second you stop working your ass off, you're basically dead, I think. So, Yeah. Curiosity, but hard work is another
0: one. Well, that fits in perfectly with the second bit, which is, um, and it sounds like you've definitely read these books already, which is along the lines of growth mindset versus fixed mindset ideas. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Carol Dweck talks a lot about it. Angela Duckworth talks a lot about it in Grit as well, which are two of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. And that idea of, Um, Either being constrained by your mindset or freed by your mindset, I find really empowering, which is the um, fixed mindset of you're so talented, you're so fantastic, you don't have to work so hard. Um, Talent is very natural and you're completely defined by your um, innate ability to do something, which means if I have to work for it, actually, then um, then I've already failed because I should innately know what I'm doing and succeed as a result versus the growth mindset of um, I need to keep working hard at it um, for all of the reasons like I can grow and get better and realize that I'm going to make mistakes along the way. But actually that helps me become more resilient and um, persevere better. And when bumps come along, I'm more likely to be not necessarily hurt, not hurt by it, but understand it's not the end of the world and it doesn't define me. And how do I then go about putting processes in place to deal with things that I can control and all of that type of stuff, rather than blame the rest of the world for my own, what can be wobbles or whatever else it might be. And you said something really in- interesting about all of that, which was um, talking about um, you, you, you uh, visualized you being the football player, go, rap, going around challenges and being, unstable or sometimes being hit hard and having operations and coming back and the rest of it how did did that type of mindset that was almost forged on the football pitch help you obviously on the pitch but also help you with the other stuff that then came as a result
1: yeah definitely I mean like I couldn't believe my luck when I went to FIFA and like organizing the women's world cups as you probably can imagine is no easy feat like there's there were all the teams sort of fed into me, whether it was media, marketing, TV, um, legal, like everything, all everything fed into like that top part. But I couldn't believe my luck about how easy it was. Like literally show up at eight o'clock and leave at maybe eight p.m. even 12 day hours, like when we were in the office and then traveling around and working even longer hours. But I was like, this is so easy compared to being an elite athlete. Like you have no idea what it's like to have to wake up and think every single thing that you do has to like funnel into your performance on the pitch so what i eat when i sleep who i talk to my mental state you know how much do i rest how many hours am i on my feet how i train when i train what i train you know how the coach looks at me how i interact with all my teammates like it's so draining at the end of my career people are like do you miss it i was like absolutely not it was it was so great. It was so great, but it, it, it made me like it formed who I am definitely, but like it's the, it's the hardest job in in the world. It just is. I think um, if you take it that seriously, so everything else after that felt really, really easy. It just did. But also because I didn't have, I didn't have a career where it was like, well, I grew up in the U S and then I played at like the top college in the U S and then went and played in the U S and played for the U S national team. Like I changed I moved to Germany when I was 22 and didn't speak the language. And basically was dropped in the deep end with the world's best players at that time with the Birgit princes and Renate Lingvors And, and didn't know what the fuck I was doing and didn't speak the language. And so, you know, and then from there, realizing that that wasn't the right place for me, then switching clubs to another club within Frankfurt, but then having to compete against those who are now my friends, and then switching to Sweden, didn't speak a language there, totally different culture, and then down to Australia. So there are so many different elements to it. It's not just like the day-to-day waking up and playing. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it is, um, I think it's a career path, but it's, it's a lifestyle that teaches you so many incredible skills. Um, should you choose to learn them, and that's the other part. Like I know a lot of players that sort of ignore all of the great skills that they could be learning, and you know are lazy or you know don't necessarily want to challenge themselves. And, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, but for me, I think it was a great opportunity to be able to sort of like go to that what is like my limit, and then go like a little bit bef- uh, uh, you know beyond that. Um, And then still try to find some comfort in that so that you're constantly sort of pushing your own boundaries. Um, But yeah, like everything after that was easy. The only thing that I struggle with a lot now is that I'm surrounded more often by people who don't all want to be better. And that sometimes I find like hard because when you're playing on an elite team and know whether it's a national team or a club team you all have the same goal that you individually you want to get better every day and individual and as a team you want to win everything all the time so you all you're constantly competing on
0: that point then um because a lot of that fits in to um i feel weird doing this interviewing thing but i'm going to try my best in doing it still because it's trying to get my brain going um identity so all of that feels like you're, you're saying this was my identity as a player, which was an elite athlete that was doing everything they could day in, day out to get better. And then that transition into the professional football world off pitch, you maintained that identity, but maybe what others weren't necessarily aligned or you had to pull and push people up that path at different times when you had the reason reason i say that is because another part of what i'm thinking about for the book is all to do with these like it's what what this guy james clear talks about in a book called atomic habits he talks about compounding and compounding effects like um the idea of just getting one percent better every day by the little little yeah. little small things that you do and the compound rate of being able to do that is then um, massively undervalued. So as a result of that, what I mean is, is that if all of those habits that you're used to doing by way of your professional football on-pitch routine you've taken into the commercial football side of the business, um, do, do you find that your professional career has very much helped in your transition to what you do now, in terms of your identity, in terms of your ethic, work ethic, in terms of the, your ethos generally, or is, are, are both things quite separate and actually need different elements?
1: I think, I think what happens is, and this is just in life anyway, whether you're a footballer or a lawyer, I think that a lot of people try to find a definition for who they are and we love labels as humans. So we love to put things in boxes. And so I think there's a danger in labeling yourself a footballer first, that career ends. And that career ends much earlier than most careers. So what I think was always important for me was that I kind of never saw myself as a footballer first um and and I still like looking back I never wanted to be a professional footballer I just I just enjoyed it I had the opportunity to captain my national team I could go to a world cup and an olympics so I knew that if I was going to do that in 3 years I needed to play consistently and not be an embarrassment to me and my country <laughs> so that meant that I had to sort of like put all those eggs in that basket but I never define myself from a young age as just a footballer. I was always Beck Smith, you know, I love surfing. I love playing basketball. I won state championships with basketball. I also like, you know, lettered in softball and water polo. And then when I went to college, I was an economic student first and then I did Spanish as well. And so there were all these different things. I love to travel, I'm a Kiwi, I'm American. So my identity was always like pretty diverse. Um, and I wanted to keep it that way because I just, I knew there was a finite limit to that identity. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to put a time limit on who I was and try to figure out what am I now. Um, So I kind of saw that coming, you know, before it even started. Um, But I think that, That's something that, you know, I work with players on now even is who are you? Like, who are you as a person? What do you value? What's important to you? What's not important to you? What do you think is right? What is wrong? What are the things that make you happy? Where do you want to go in the rest of your life? You don't know, that's cool. But what makes you like, what sort of gets you going now? Is it music? Is it politics? Is it whatever? And I think, you know, the more that you start identifying yourself as a human being and a person first that has all these other passions, And you happen to play football, just as as you do, you know, you love your talking, you love, you're going to write a book, but you also, you know, you're a lawyer. So that all comes under that sort of identity, but there's so much more to who you, you know, are. I think that that is, that's a more healthy way uh, of living your life because of the fact that, well, football in particular ends but I don't think it's restricted to or restrained to football. I think that um, it's more extreme because you literally cannot do anything at all. I, you can, and I did, but you're still like spending, even when you're studying, you're still thinking about the training that you have to do and you're still being defined as a footballer first. So I think, um, I think we just need to, And this is not limited to like what maybe even what your book is, well, maybe your book is talking about that, but I just think we need to look at ourselves as like human beings first and how we interact with other people first and foremost. Um, And I think in that sense, we will be like a happier sort of human race, if that makes any sense.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Build the Invisible with me, Daniel G. In addition to sharing insights and lessons on career success, I'm also the founder of a charity fashion brand called 13. At 13shop.co.uk, you can order hoodies, t shirts, and socks with all proceeds going towards cancer research. So, not only can you evaluate your personal and professional development with the insights shared on this podcast, but you can also support a great cause with your purchase from 13. Visit 13shop.co.uk today to browse our collection and make a difference. Thank you for supporting Build Invisible and the mission of 13. Guys, I I mean, it's interesting because you know I find sometimes I spend a decent amount of time trying to curate um, um, a, um, uh, a marketing image or not a professional image of like, if it's something football or sports related and you need legal help, then hopefully my name springs to mind that almost that hook in a way yeah. But at the same time, a lot of the time I don't want to be identified as just someone that is only interested in football or sport, that I'm hopefully more multifaceted than that in itself. But at the same time, I find that you need to specialise in order to yeah.
1: um,
0: in order to be able to show expertise and value in particular areas, I guess, in exactly the same way that that you've done to a degree. And, um, and finding that balance between being rounded, but also knowing a certain amount of specialist knowledge about a particular area is also the, the the difficult balancing act that I have trouble with sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think it, yeah. And I think it's just like a matter of how you want to define yourself and how you want to market yourself. And sometimes it's because we're, we're told like, well, the audience won't get that. Like people don't understand that you have to specialize. But again, like why? <laughs> Why, like who said that? Who made those rules? Like, yes, maybe that's your experience, but actually I think it's I like being sort of um, you know, um someone okay. with a finger in a lot of different pies. Yeah. And yeah. I think it and I think it suits me because depending on but you also have to have like I think deep relate relationships in all those different pies to be able to have a network that's big enough, and that's maybe the difference to be able to then get anything back from it. So, you know, I genuinely am interested in like sports medicine and the research element of it and the well, the lack of research on the women's side. Um, and so, you know, I talk about it quite passionately and I'm, you know, on the isokinetics medical board, which may or may not mean shit, but I think it's because I've talked about it to certain people that are quite like well connected in that industry as well that then certain things then come back to me as an opportunity so i don't necessarily go out to market and go who's beck smith well i'm this that 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 that, that. but like i genuinely care about it and i i, I want to talk about the things that i care about the only problem with it now is that i like have too many projects and too much to do and not enough time
0: <laughs> well can i ask about that point just very briefly because what it sounds like was one of the first things that you said was you were lucky in the sense um, of in school, you were able to connect quite, I guess, disassociated dots together. That's what it almost feels like on some of the stuff that you're really adding the value is, um, is looking at lots of different disparate subjects, which may not necessarily look like they're connected, but actually connect them accordingly, possibly, and I guess for new ideas or new ways of looking at things. And that's actually how what, how innovation starts i guess is that yeah. that my understanding
1: yeah yeah i think so and i think that the, the the issue with it's a really good point actually daniel because the the point about specializing is you become a specialist in just that but actually i think the world is changing so quickly anyway but even if it if if it hadn't i think being able for example being able to consult now in the sports industry, if a brand wants me to come on and consult with them and they say, okay, we want to maybe get into women's football, like, what do you think? I can look at it from a player perspective, a governing body's perspective. So do you want to buy, you know, rights to the UEFA uh, or, or is it CAF or is it a league somewhere you know I've worked because I've worked with all of them and I understand how they work both from a player perspective and a governance perspective and now from like a media and a consulting perspective you can just give like a more well-rounded um, viewpoint on different things and I think the problem too that we face in terms of specialization or another way of looking at specialization is polarization that either you're a blue or you're red either you're black or you're white either you're you know liberal or what is it in this country liberal or labor no labor or Tory Conservative, conservative you know i just i don't i don't see the world like that i don't think that i think that that's probably it's lazy is what it is. And I know why we do it because we as humans, we try to we need heuristics to, to help simplify our lives, but actually we've oversimplified. And I think we're too lazy to have conversations and discussions to be able to mediate and find a middle ground now. And, and I'm I know this is like a bit of an extreme view because specialists you need a specialist if you're going doing contract law for players, you know, big, big name players, big, big, big brand. I'd probably come to you because that's what you've done before many, many times. And I don't really want to go to someone that knows everything. And there are some moments where you do need specialists, but I do also think that there's a lot of value in having like a wider range of knowledge in a lot of different things that don't seem like they connect, but there's so much we can learn from music, for example, in sports. Um, And there's so much we can, we can learn from business and bring into sports that, you know, we could run our sports industry so much better if we had more people who just came from like a business background or a consulting background like a proper sort of structured you know way of setting up a business and and understanding finances like how is it possible that some of these clubs are, are broke within weeks you know from from covid it's scary that's really scary um anyway that's maybe a whole nother topic but yeah, I think it's it and it totally depends. I think legal's a really it's a different one, isn't it? Because yeah. you kind of have to specialize in in the legal industry. I,
0: I think on your point, which I'm completely in agreement of, with, is that it's only firstly, the more you know, the less you know. That's how yeah. you sort of that's how I feel. The more I learn, the more I'm like, oh, I don't know about that or I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And that right. keeps you a bit more humble and grounded to, to 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 have that growth mentality to go and do, but also the more inquisitive and curious I am outside of particular areas, I think is very much more useful because it's usually in that disparate idea vacuum that new stuff connects and becomes useful for you in. If even if, if it's a specialist area or or not, so I, I definitely see that it's sort of those connections happen when you're not expecting connections to happen. Yeah, um, and that's why that's why I quite like. Um, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh,
0: last definitely. question for you, Bex.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Unless there's anything else you want to um, chat about, I, mean, I can. I, I'm more chat <laughs> yeah. today. To anything honest. else you and I can chat about? Uh, yeah. How How many
1: days do you have there?
0: <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll do like a marathon podcast at some point.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that would be good. <laughs>
0: um, so I know we, we, you actually mentioned uh, actually one of the things right at the beginning. On so I take this from a guy called Tim Ferriss that you might have heard of. Um, he's written loads of cool books and called including the sort of four hour work week and four hour lots of different things. And he wrote a book called. Uh, it's cut a lot of lost all of a second but he sp- he interviewed about 50 or 100 sort of leading individuals in the world and asked 13 different questions mm-hmm. and one of the, the, his last question or one of his last questions um w- was this um and the question was if you had a massive billboard where you could say anything to inspire others what would it say and I hate to put you on the spot and we can talk about it later if necessary, but I'll just mention very briefly. So when you mentioned about your dad saying, never be the smartest person in the room, I I, I really like that from a growth mindset perspective, from a resilience perspective, from a sort of challenging yourself and out of comfort zone and all of that type of stuff generally. And it it doesn't need to be anything catchy or otherwise. So for example, I interviewed someone else the other day who said that their um, billboard was recommend more books to people
1: oh, yeah that's nice
0: which actually oh, really i would
1: say mine would just say why not why not i mean i think we 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 build up so many reasons why we can't do things that we we stop ourselves before we even start and i i think it's all our our own re- reality is it was what's in your head it's all relative it's all perspective so You know if you want to go and do something just why not like go for it basically I think I know the thing is too is that even if you don't get to that like let's say I have a vision and I have a dream and it's like to build an empire uh, of whatever I don't know I want to be a tv you know media broadcast mogul um if you, even if I start moving in that direction, I'm going to get somewhere, aren't I? Like I'm going to get somewhere that's along that path and that journey. And then I like genuinely believe that in that, in that there's really no, I don't really believe in mistakes. I believe definitely that there's different consequences for different choices we make, um, but it's all sort of a learning process, um, I think along the way and yeah, why not?
0: I love it. That's the shortest one I've had that's probably the most powerful so far. <laughs> All right, right. Let me press pause on this thing. So,
1: and the guy, she sent it to me, actually, I haven't listened to it. She said, the guy said, actually, the one thing that we, we always hammer on about is that we need purpose in life. And he's like, I just completely disagree. I think that the, the thing that, holds us back or is that we have this concept of like purpose when actually you don't need any purpose in life. And if you think about the Buddhist monks and, and most of Buddhism, it's kind of true. Like, but I guess, well, Nirvana is really their purpose. So that technically could be a purpose, but, (laughs) but yeah, it was just, it was just interesting. Like, do, do we need a purpose or do we not need a purpose? I guess there's not a right answer, but I thought it was interesting.
0: I, the reason why I thought this would be quite useful, I guess there's obviously, a, there has to be a selfish part, which is the the bit of what I'd like to know because I think it would be good for, for me in terms of nour- nourishment or whatever it is. But my purpose in a way for this is like, you know, tr- try and find some common themes about how successful people, again, however you classify successful, are doing the right things that they want to be doing. Mm. For, to, to help others on that sort of charted path, so they understand that it's not this easy win, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it's like just go back to basics, do the cool stuff hard for a long time with empathy and purpose and creativity, and f- keep following that that well trodden path to get where you want to get to. Because everyone only sees the the outcome the outcome of everything, the Instagrammable, whatever it is, of whatever it is, whereas no one seems under the iceberg and all the, the nonsense that goes on to to get there. So when everyone says, oh, I just want to be a football lawyer, can you tell me how to be a football lawyer? Mm. Just as I'm sure they'd say the same to you, how did you manage to get at work at FIFA in such a fantastic position? There's a, there's a short answer, which is whatever the short answer is, which is there is no short answer, <laughs> The long answer, which is the long answer, which is like, how long have you got? Because it's all of these tons of things combined for a long period of time. And that's what I want to get everyone out of, which is there's no such thing as short-termism for this type of stuff. Yeah, Wanting to do it, committing to do it, not being too daunted by it, but enjoying the process of doing and and see where it takes you and compound everything day after day, week after week. Mm. And then to give that message to people I think will be quite inspiring. Which is, there's no easy way out. Which is great because that means anybody can do it. It's the most democratic thing within reason. I'm not saying yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. has the same initial opportunity, yeah, but it, yeah. it, but that idea that like it's it's some type of meritocracy, I think has to be a positive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'd actually even. Like, cause Lizzie and I do this, um, this course on harnessing the elite athlete mindset. And one of the first court, one of the first chapters of it is goal setting. And I would argue that choosing your outcome and your, the position that you want is the wrong way to go about it. We always look at outcomes. We're taught like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a lawyer. I want his job. I want that. I want that. When actually... We need to start from, and this is gonna sound fucking corny, but it is so true. We need to start inside first. We need to start with like, who am I? What are my values? What is the type of person I wanna be? Who are the type of people that I value? Who are they? Not what do they do? It's like, actually, I I would argue that a lot of people probably wanna be a sports or football lawyer because they actually like you. And they like the values that you stand for rather than they like what you do as a job because most people don't know what you do as a job otherwise they'd be doing it right but they but they know you and they like you and they like the values that you stand for and so i would argue that they need to turn inward first and understand who am i or what are the types of people that i like that i want to surround myself with and then why do i like them because they have that value that okay what is the commonality value sometimes they don't even know like what that is and you find the commonality. And then that's where you're going to be on the right path for you. So that, you know, you constantly keep surrounding yourself with things that are you're passionate about. I like that. I got a lot of energy from that. I like that person. So you go towards it and you go towards it. And then you start finding, like, actually paths open up for you in the right way, in the right time and everything, rather than I'm going to go there, I'm going to push through everything. I'm going to get everybody out of my way. There's challenges. I don't care. It's like, if there's that many challenges, it's probably not right for you anyway. Because even when you get there, you're not going to be happy because you haven't enjoyed the journey.
0: Well, I think I think a lot of people are allured by the glamour, which isn't there when you when you you know it much better than I from being on the inside of it. It's like the glamour of doing a football transfer, or the glamour of going to a game to watch whatever it is, or the glamour yeah. of, and and when you're on the inside that that isn't that isn't glamorous and it's almost sometimes the exact opposite of whatever um, glamour actually is and in the end the thing that sustains you is your enjoyment of the thing that you're doing rather than the end product because otherwise exactly as you said if you've got a goal to reach and you'll just do anything you can do to get there to maintain those habits are actually very difficult if you're only aiming for the end goal Um, and then even God forbid you actually get to that end goal and you're like, right, I'm here. Then you're gonna to have to have some very difficult questions to ask of yourself, which is well, I've here I've attained what well what next? What what do I what do I actually do? Yeah. Um, which I think yeah. is tricky.
1: Yeah, I think the the goal setting process has to be different. So we call it like flipping goals goal setting on its head. Cause we're always looking at like, what's the outcome. And then it's only like at the very end that we even look at like, does this even make me happy? Um, oh, well happy is a hard, that's maybe not the right word, but yeah, it's so much about that process and that journey and enjoying it along the way. It has to be, like, it just has to be. Even with this podcast, it's kind of like I could literally give a shit about the numbers. I really don't care, but I've, I've enjoyed so much like recording with the players and having the chats but it's it's a lot of hard work and parts of it I like parts of it I like less um and so I'm learning along the way if it's like you know if it's something that is enjoyable for me I'll continue doing it I, but I really don't care like the numbers are so irrelevant to me um if it's the most successful podcast on the planet if I don't enjoy doing it I will not do it I just won't <laughs> like
0: yeah the way that, the way, just very briefly, I'm sorry if I got on age, for ages about this, but the way I no, see right. that, the way that I see certain things is you're always gonna get haters and you're always gonna have people that measure you by different standards that you measure yourself by or otherwise, always that. My very simple approach to anything that I put out now is, does it help one person with anything? And if the answer to that is yes, mm. I'm good.
1: Nice.
0: I'm absolutely good with that.
1: Yeah, that's um, cool. I like and, that.
0: and, and also the bit I think which forms part of that is that when people reach out and, and, and let's get this right, there's a lot more people that will, re- that will reach out or say negative things rather than reach out and say positive things because it's not necessarily in people's nature to be positive and affirm Nice things, which I think is always yeah. really important. Which I think is a very important thing, generally to do, um, to enjoy the sat the positive satisfaction that comes from helping someone improve,
1: mm.
0: and that is a I think I I've put way too down the list in terms of priorities of like well, pat, pat, pat on the back then, well done actually you've made a positive difference to somebody yeah, um, and having that internal gratitude of, for that particular reason.
1: Which is so cool. And I would, I, I can imagine, or I, I kind of believe that most people, well, you have to have like satisfaction within yourself to be able to even like compliment and genuinely mean it to other people. And I think that's where, It's just really sad like if I feel really good about what I'm doing I'm I'm making you know good money I'm working on cool projects I have great people around me my dog loves me I've got a gorgeous Christmas tree like it's so easy for me to say hey well done Dan this is a really cool idea what a great book rather than feel jealous that you're doing something really really cool you're doing something that you're passionate about and I don't really have a passion and I'm not really following it Mm. I think, again, it goes back to like, you know, figure out your own shit first, really, and focus on that rather than comparing yourself to everybody else. Um,
0: The race is long, and usually it's only with yourself.
1: It's always with yourself. It's your own damn head on the pillow every night. Like, that's (laughs) it, really. I mean, and I think the more you travel and the more you live in different countries, the the less shits I give. Because I'm like, I really couldn't give a shit what anybody here in London says. Because... Like, I know it's just, it's different in Germany versus in LA. And like, everyone here thinks that, that this is like their world. This is the world. This is it. This is it. You know, this is the bubble that we live in. But actually, it's so much bigger than that. So it's just, if people don't get it, it's, I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. But most people do, which is cool. So.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Build the Invisible with me, Daniel G. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and took away some valuable insights and lessons. If you'd like to learn more about the strategies and mindset discussed on the show, be sure to check out the book, my book, Build the Invisible, and the accompanying BTI journal, both available at www.buildtheinvisible.com. We also encourage you to leave us a review and subscribe to keep up to date on future episodes. Thanks for listening.